0: From Cummings Road Studios, this is Post Game Shake. I'm Jamie Murray, here with my co-host Tim Searles. Let's shake things up.
1: Buddy, thank you for tuning in. This is Post Game Shake, episode five. Thank you for for joining us. Jamie Murray, how are
0: you? I'm doing great, Tim. How
1: are you? I'm doing fantastic. So... um, Let's just hop right in. We have a um, we have a number of topics we want to discuss today. We also have a new segment that we're going to that we're going to pull up with uh, with a buddy of ours. We'll get to that um, later on in the episode. Um, but let's lead off with Cream Hunt. What do yeah, you got for and, me? And
0: uh, if all went well, you guys heard our first ad read. Uh, so we're we're starting to monetize on this uh, this big money maker, and uh, we appreciate the support so far. All the fans. It's a, It's you know. It's
1: it's because of you guys that we that were beca- that were you know going to be able to buy a ton of stuff with with all that money.
0: And we'll be looking to give back. So don't think we're going to leave you guys hanging. Of course. All right. Well, uh, yeah. We're let's jump right into the cream hunt thing. Obviously, um, that was kind of big on the NFL front and just in general. Um, and I kind of want to talk about it because, for a lot of different reasons. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know, I'm sure you do. Kareem Hunt was released by the Chiefs following the release of uh, that that video of him assaulting the woman uh, outside of his hotel room, I believe. Um, we've not the first time that we've seen this. Uh, obviously, the Ray Rice thing, um, we, you know, the Adrian Peterson beating his, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, how he was reprimanding his kids and he even came out recently this week and said that he's still um, I don't know uh, p- punishes his kids by hitting them with a belt if they're, not, which I don't know I don't I I'm I'm still not even sure how I feel about that because I think to a certain degree you should be able to reprimand your children in a way you believe is right, um, but at the same time I understand that that's not the world we live in these days. But for the cream hunt thing, uh, it's a very sensitive topic. Uh so we we definitely have some opinions I definitely have some opinions. Uh we don't mean to offend anybody but um definitely want to cover that. So what what was your initial reaction when you saw the
1: video? Um my ne- my initial reaction from the video was that um it looks bad. Um when I read about it, I think the funny thing about these situations is that you read about it happening, right? Like if mm-hmm. you if you read about joe mixon hitting a woman and oh yeah the Mixon
0: video that's the other one i wanted to bring up yeah
1: you don't have all the context and then like you see it in person and you're kind of like whoa that was that was really bad not to mention how strong how strong these guys are um they can they can do some real damage now from the cream hunt video i thought it was I'm not comparing the two in the least only because it's the only comparison you can make is that they both hit a woman and it got caught on video and got released. Now the ironic thing is that Joe Mixon is still playing in the NFL right. and that happened in college and that doesn't give him a, him a reprieve by any means. But um, this video and this incident as a whole, wasn't nearly as bad as the Joe Mixon one was. And that doesn't make it any better or, or any worse or anything. I just think um I don't know. It's just kind of like a crappy situation. Like you can have all this hearsay. His friends are saying one thing, her and her friends are saying another thing. Like how, what, what, um, you know, brought the whole altercation to come to this, you know, hitting each other thing. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't have too much of a comment. So that was a whole long winded way of saying, I don't really know what I think of the video.
0: Yeah. And it's tough. So like this day and age, especially like this, this, this year, this past couple of years, It's there's no way that you can look at this video and say anything like the whole and it's different than the Me Too movement. And it's different than other things where, you know, equality for women, that's a different topic. But at the same time, it's a very popular subject matter. And for anybody to not understand why this is wrong, like you're just way behind the times. But at the same time, when I see this video, when I saw the video, there are a couple things that kind of sit. Poorly with me, and first of all, it being the fact that it takes the video for anything to happen. Um, but then, like what you mentioned with Joe Mixon versus Kareem Hunt, it bothers me because Joe Mixon is in the league, has never really faced any, may he, he drop down a couple rounds, and I genuinely believe because of where we're at right now, the Kareem Hunt is going to have a really tough time ever coming back into the NFL, and we. We, I've talked about this with some people and I know we initially, when we saw the video released before the NFL made a decision, we kind of, you, I know you had read things and we had different opinions on what would happen. It was a, a quick release immediately. Um, but right after he was put on the exempt list. Um, and then he cleared waivers, which was different than the Ruben Foster situation where he was picked up. Um, Who's was he picked up by the Redskins? Yeah. Foster,
1: Yeah, Washington.
0: And then Washington faced a ton of backlash for that, uh, obviously, rightfully so. So then you obviously see a, a talent like Kareem Hunt, who's an incredible talent, one of the best in the league. When a player like that clears waivers, it's not a good sign. And I know a lot of teams are looking at that and they're saying, at the very least, it's not something we want to deal with right now. It's not worth the backlash we would get uh, just to have the rights to this player. Um, but I think it's just a weird situation because I, I really do believe that this could this could hurt him to the point where he doesn't get a second chance, and I hope he does. And I don't think it'll be any time next year. You've seen how long the whole uh, Ezekiel Elliott thing went on for, and just having him in fantasy, like um, you you everybody, I mean everybody was following it for for me. It was like you know, when the heck, can I put him in my lineup? Um, I didn't think his was nearly as bad. I well, his um his was all threats from an ex-girlfriend saying that he was abusive. But then there were so many uh text proofs and stuff that was basically was proof that she was trying to ruin his name uh and very good reason to believe that she was lying about most of that stuff. And you see how much that affected him. Then you get this video where he's hitting a woman. Um and apparently there are other circumstances, other situations. It's, it's just tough for me to believe that this guy is going to be back in the NFL. And, like, you look at – so Ray Rice – did Ray Rice ever get a chance to come back? Never. He never got a chance to come back. So it, it's a really weird – and it, pipe in whenever you want. I don't know. I, I just have – it's really bothered me because it is so hypocritical and so um, two-faced, the NFL in general, where a guy like Joe Mixon, who absolutely clobbered this girl, like – the heaviest punch you'll ever see knocked the girl out, I believe, and then ran out of the the restaurant. And then you look at the Kareem hunt video, which it's tough to compare, but it's, I don't think it's nearly as bad. And he, he, the woman comes up to him. He kind of pushes her off, which you you can't do. I get it. You can't do. Um, And then the second part of the video is, him pushing his friend who goes like flying into her and she goes flying and that's a bad look. And I'd have to rewatch the video again, but I'm not even sure he actually pushed her. And then he goes over and he kicks her, which is never okay. But it's like the most laughable kick of all time. It's like, I, I like was joking around my friends, like me and my sister have like kind of scrapped when we were younger and I've, you know, I would never hit a girl, but like, I've kicked my sister harder than that. You know, like, it was like a love tap. It was bizarre. And none of it's okay, and everything that comes his way, he deserves. And I hope that he can learn from it. But I don't understand how a player like Joe Mixon is in the league, or, or even more of an example, if a video of Tyreek Hill came out choking his pregnant girlfriend, like you've, you've heard the story, and he faced, did he? What were the consequences he faced? I mean, he just dropped in the draft, right? He didn't face any consequences in the NFL. Is this uh, Tyreek Hill or Joe Mixon? Tyreek Hill. I'm not sure what what happened. I, I think it was all there. before. But if a video, if that video came out right now, would the Chiefs have to drop him? Yeah, 100%. Right. It, it absolutely would. And I think that's just so messed up. It just doesn't make sense. And I'm not saying that it's like, oh, it, it's stupid that they would drop him or it's stupid that they aren't dropping him now. I think it's just bad that there's this – it's like a double-edged sword. I don't know that's not the right analogy, but it's the same situation. It shouldn't have differing circumstances whether or not there's a video. And I think the NFL needs to get better at that, and they need to start setting a precedent and stick by it. Um, but at the same time, without real hard proof, I get it; it's different, but that just doesn't sit well with me. So, that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those situations where um,
1: it's tough if you're if you, know, you can look at this from a million different angles, right? If you're a Chiefs fan, you're you're hurt and you're upset. Uh, if you're if you're um a Chiefs fan, and you could also be angry because a player that you know was employed by essentially a company, an organization that you you know love, is doing something like this. You could you could look at it from two different ways if you're a Chiefs fan. So there's a lot of different ways you can go with this, and i I have always thought it's interesting how how the NFLs handle things. Like I've had discussions with people. It's like if you got arrested or pulled over for like a drunk driving incident and your company finds out like a random company, you're probably gonna get fired. But it, but in the NFL, it's like, it's always been kind of like, well, you know, it is what it is. Like it was, um, like Ruben Foster say that happened to you or me at like at our place of business, like and our bosses found out, like they wouldn't,
0: most likely, they'd be like, "Yeah, we're terminating your employment with us." Right, but, and, the, but, and then it goes on your record, and it's harder to get hired by another company. And it's it's a really tough thing to have.
1: Yeah, they've given they've given people who who might not deserve second chance second chances, and it's funny how, yeah, like I think it all comes back to the consistency of the message they're trying to perceive. It almost seems like they're kind of like just making decisions by the seat of their pants, and there's no mm-hmm. real consistency and and legitimacy to it and i've read reports of saying like they didn't want to know like the truth like they haven't even talked to him or her or anybody all the other witness witnesses that were there that night i think is is what i heard so it, it yeah i think i think for me it all comes back to you just want when something like this happens you want to you want to kind of know what's going to happen based off of what's happened in the past and when one of these incidents happen, like I was like, I don't, I don't know if we'll even get suspended. Now that Grant, I had not seen the video that at that time. So when the video comes out, it's like, all right, you, that, when it comes down to, you kind of have to do it because that's just like the way it is. But if there's no video of it, it's like, Oh, well, you can just say that he didn't do it, which is wrong, Right? which is wrong. Yep. Don't, don't get me started on that. But it's like, you want some consistency to that when something comes out like this, you know, what's going to happen because they have a track record of making the right decision. And I feel like, the NFL doesn't have a track record of making the right logical decision when these things happen.
0: No, I think you're hundred percent right. And the other thing that I wanted to ask you um, was so based off, we, we watched the interview for a little bit. I left uh, before the end of it, but I felt like his, the way he described his interaction with the chiefs and when they told him, they informed him that he was going to be dropped. It made it seem like to me that it, you know, he he's talked about how they were like, yeah, we, we love you, you're great, all this stuff, but we have to do this. Do you think that them dropping uh, Kareem Hunt is more because they have to or because they want to? So, like, are, do they truly believe that in their best interest that, they were so dis, that he was so dishonest with them and this is such a despicable act that they need to drop him? Or do you think that they dropped him Their star running back and a huge part of their who would be a part of their playoff run. Do you think that they dropped him because they know if they didn't, they would be crucified for it? I think it's the I think it's the latter. I
1: think it's that if they didn't release him, they would be crucified for it, and that's that's wrong. I agree, and and I I feel like if if say let's put it this way, say they saw the video but it didn't get released to the public and no one else saw it. I yeah. feel like they would they would maybe suspend him, and so that they they could save face in that regard. So if it did ever happen, right, like they'd be like, "Hey, we we reprimanded him. He's he he took you know classes, blah blah blah, blah counseling, whatever you want to say." Like, there's a lot of things you can do to to to, to save face on the Chiefs. And I don't think they would they would have released him. They did it because they they wanted to save face. If they had a decision, he'd be playing. He would have played last Sunday, and he'd still be playing. And I think that's also the problem is that these people they're so valuable to the organization, the company, AKA the football team, because they're making money. And if one guy doesn't play teams don't win, people don't go to the games, but yeah, I, I feel like it's the latter that they, they had to.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I, it's part of me is like, you know, that's so wrong, but at the same time, you almost understand like as on the business side of it, this is your best player. You kind of do what you can to protect your best opportunity To win a Super Bowl and like what do you think how much Spencer wears a great player how much do you think it affects their chances at a Super Bowl run
1: I think it affects them um, a decent amount I think I think if you're gonna pick like one player on the field to lose I don't think running back would be like the one you'd be least worried about losing but it's definitely not like number one like I'd be more worried about my quarterback I'd be more worried about be like my left tackle. I'd be more worried about maybe my number one receiver, middle linebacker. There are other players I think I'd yeah. pick, i pick over running back. Running back is a very important position, but I think if you have a if you have a legitimate backup, like if you don't have a joke as a backup running back, I think you can you can do just fine. There's a difference, don't get me wrong, and I think yeah,
0: he's But Spencer Ware was a stud before Kareem Hunt took over. I know. So I, I think Like he was a big especially a fantasy guy.
1: Another reason why why you you want to have a good backup, a uh, a legitimate backup quarterback and a legitimate backup anything in reality and money back as well. Because say something like this happens and it's uncontrollable and you don't foresee it happening, just like an injury, you have a guy who can step in and and your team
0: it doesn't ruin the entire season. You know what I mean? Like this
1: this so this happened to Patrick Mahomes, their
0: season's over. Oh, I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Who is their backup? Do we even know?
1: I, I don't know. Anymore. Do they have
0: a backup quarterback? <laughs> it's just it's just a clone of Patrick Mahomes.
1: We, yeah, should, right. we should we should definitely. I'm gonna look that up now. We should definitely know who their who their backup quarterback is. But yeah, there I, there are other there are other definitely positions. Like, uh, no, I mean
0: even Tyree Kill. If you lose Tyree Kill, you lose your deep threat, yeah. and all of a sudden they hone in on some other options. And like I mean the the Tyree Kill connection with Patrick Mahomes this year has been absolutely lethal. And I saw it firsthand last year um, when I went to the Patriots home opener. And the chiefs took him down. I they beat him by a couple touchdowns at least. And Tyree kill was gone on like, uh, I can't remember if it was a third second or third quarter touchdown. I mean, seeing that kid, seeing him in person was insane. Like he flies and it, he, there are times when he's so wide open and he has burned his, the coverage so bad. It's, it's just incredible that that guy is is able to do what he does. And if you were to lose him, then you're, then you're in some trouble. You got lose a guy like Kareem hunt and, you you hear the saying like running backs are a dime or a, or a dime a dozen, and you kind of get it because if you have a team that's built for it like Kareem Hunt like I don't know how many guys they put in the box against him but when you're playing against Mahomes you're not really focused on the running game and Hunt's been awesome uh, but a big part of that has just been being in such an electric offense and uh, I, I think they'll be fine with him honestly as a Patriots fan. I wasn't nervous. Like, I I also got to see in person this year the the Patriots beat the Chiefs. And I was like, this is no – like, obviously, it was a close game. But it was like, you know what? If they come back here in January, they're going to get the job done again. But, man, I mean, the Patriots' offense, they're – they've been a little bit stagnant lately. And I'm never going to say, you know, Brady's in his decline because he looked looked great. But I, I don't think he's the exact same as he was a couple years ago. And uh Patrick Mahomes has proven that he's not just a few week wonder. So I you know, I think that if it's not gonna be the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I'd I'd be hard pressed to find another team besides the Chiefs. Yeah, so I, I think they're gonna be fine. I think uh, their backup is
1: Chad Henney, by the way. So Oh uh, my god, Chad Henny's
0: still in the league?
1: Yeah, a blast in the past. So obviously obviously a huge downgrade, um at quarterback. Yeah. I don't need to I don't need to, to um go into detail about that. So I, I, I think they're fine as well. Um and again, I think we're just looking for some consistency, and and I think hey, best case scenario this never happens again. Like there are never right. any players ever or anybody, anybody ever you know doing this, and and in general, and then also getting caught on video doing it because it just makes you know it's, it's a bad look for for everybody involved. So um, yeah, I think I think the Chiefs should be fine, and and there are other positions that you could that you could lose. Yeah. That would that would hurt your hurt your playoff and your Super Bowl chances more. So to kind of um kind of piggyback off that, another another team that was um that was the number one seed in the in the NFC, um opposite of the Chiefs were the Saints. And they went in Thursday night, probably as confident as ever, had won ten straight, playing into Cowboys who up until last Thursday you know, had a cup, had a big win against the Eagles. We'll give them that, but weren't really that, that, that impressive of a team. And they, they came out with a 1310 win holding the saints to 10 points, which is this year seems like it's, it's impossible. They're like playing a game at Madden against, against a 10 year old kid. It feels like, and, and they're just scoring at will. I think I read they, they score the most points per possession of any team in NFL history of the season. So uh, that. That win was huge. Were you able to watch watch that Thursday night game?
0: Yeah, I went to um, I went to like a bar down the street, and we watched probably half the game. It was just boring, like. And you know what? It wasn't boring. It was just underwhelming when you expect Drew Brees to just light the world on fire, and he doesn't. But I mean, the guy's human. I mean, what do you think? Do you think? You, does that change your perspective of that team at all? It can't. Um, no, I
1: don't think so. I think I think every team's. Um gonna have a bad a bad a bad week i mean i think so a lot of teams have okay weeks and still manage to win they still lost by three points and they have the ball at the end of the game and everyone i'm even thinking to myself like okay they're just gonna go down and score a touchdown win the game and everyone's gonna forget about this game because the saints won but now it's a big talking point because they actually lost and and it's more i think it's more so um, a talking point for the Cowboys than it's for the Saints The Saints are going to rebound this weekend I assume I don't want to mm-hmm. sound like a, sound like a, a genius And, and No, then, they will, you're right yeah. um, But the Cowboys defense is also very good And they were at home and, and that was a spirited win They needed that badly Because they're they're up by game now in the Eagles And they played them this weekend So if they say, say they were to lose that game To the Saints, they'd be tied with the Eagles And then if, say, the Eagles were to beat them They'd be, you know, coming from behind in the, in, in the division So that was a huge win Just for playoff positioning in general but also, I mean, to go to go and beat the beat the Saints on, on national t- t- uh, television is a is a pretty big deal. So that wasn't some 4-4 or four oh five Sunday game where no one really cares about it. it was it was like a, a big deal and everyone brought their A game and this you know the the, the Cowboys came away with the W.
0: Yeah, I I mean honestly, I completely agree with you. I think the Cowboys are legit. And how many playoff games have they won in the last? I. I I don't even know. what. It, do you know it off the top of your head? It's, it's one in the last, like, in my generation's one. Yeah, right. So for I, I, tr- I actually believe that their defense is really solid. And if they can play that kind of game, feed Zeke, and then, like, all of a sudden they can get Amari Cooper involved and start opening the field up, it's not a team you want to play in the playoffs. I, I think at the beginning of the year, if you were like, hey, if you told the Saints, it was like, hey, you're going to play – uh, the Cowboys in the playoffs. How do you feel about that? They'd be like cakewalk. We're going to crush them. But I think now it's pretty. They're a pretty challenging team to play against, and I think it, it it's good for the uh, the the parity in the NFC. And uh, actually, really excited to see how they do down the stretch. Yeah. So
1: I I think I think they're looking good. I, I I agree with a lot of things you're saying. I think they are they are a dangerous team to play because they can play defense. They can run the ball. Um. So I just looked up. They they have two playoff wins in the last um 22 years. So. That's crazy, man. Um, they've only made the playoffs one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in the past 22 years, and they've only had two wins.
0: So Is, is Tony Romo a Hall of Famer?
1: <laughs> no, but he would have been if he kept <laughs> playing, probably. Yeah. Um, if he stayed healthy and kept playing. But, um, yeah, a team that was just in the playoffs every year in the 90s and winning games, winning Super Bowls, um, yeah, they haven't had that same success, kind of the opposite of what the Packers were. The Packers were obviously the first team to kind of, dynasty then kind of fell off the face of the earth after Lombardi left and then Holmgren kind of brought him back to back to stardom. And then, and then, you know, uh, McCarthy came back a perfect segue to talk about um, Mike McCarthy and getting fired. I I had a friend listen to um, episode four and he texted me after and he goes, wow, you actually kind of called Mike McCarthy not lasting the whole season. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of forgot I said that. Yeah. And um, I didn't think he get, he get canned mid season. I, I was a little, I was initially thinking like, wow, that's that's a kind of a a bit of a slap in the face. Um, but at the same time, I think now it kinda gives them an advantage to, to get who, the coach they want. Not that they wouldn't be able to get the coach they wanted um from the beginning because you have Aaron Rodgers and stuff, but I I kinda like this is the same kind of situation that ran on with, with Andy Reid in Philadelphia. I think McCarthy's a very good coach. I think he'll get a job again soon, if not this year, or if not next season, like this off season to coach again next season. But um, I feel people, they did, you know, coaches just kind of lose their, lose the locker room in, in a sense. And I think yeah. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is the tough guy to coach because everyone kind of assumes that he's just going to get the job done. But I mean, scheme wise, like he's, he's coaching on an old West coast scheme and he's just assuming that Rodgers is going to make these big plays out of nothing. And, Eventually, it's just going to dry up, and it's kind of dried up this season.
0: Yeah, and you even see it with uh, like post game interviews and stuff. When they ask Rodgers anything that has to do with like a game plan, and he he kind of deflects to like how it's McCarthy's game plan and it's his play calling, and you can tell that he's verbal, he's visually pretty pissed off. Honestly, like he just whatever it was they they must have butted heads. I'm, I'm sure it was more of a one-way street of Rodgers just hating McCarthy. I'm, I'm sure McCarthy enjoyed having the greatest quarterback uh, that the Packers have had in a long time. Um, I, th- I think he's better than Favre, but, you know, obviously he hasn't been doing too hot uh, this season. But it, I, I don't know, man. I think um, it, it's confusing to me because if, if, you're that good of a, if you're that good of a coach, how are you not able to grab a locker room And then how does that affect the hiring process for a team that's looking at you? Like, if you're a team that's like, okay, looking to bring in Mike McCarthy, the most recent example that you have is him having coaching the greatest, one of the greatest quarterbacks the Packers have ever had, whatever, and having such an awful record. I I don't understand how you look at that guy and you say he's a top-quality candidate so i I see what you're saying i think I
1: think things just kind of you know happen over over spans of of seasons, and I feel like this was kind of a long time coming like they had survived on this on this winning formula for so long and they had they had run into injuries including aaron rodgers and and then other years of so defenses banged up and they just kind of survived on barely making the playoffs and and either you know, losing a close game or getting a couple wins and I mean, to be honest, since since he made that really amazing throw against the Cowboys in the NFC Divisional round two years ago to Jared Cook to win yeah. that game, and then they got blown out by the Falcons in the NFC Championship game, they haven't been anything great. I mean, he what th- what is the throw that you're referring to? Is that the Hail Mary to end the game? No, they the Cowboys tied the game up late, I think, with like a less less than a minute left, and then he like scrambles out to the left with like it's like. I think yeah, 20 yeah. seconds left and throws like this absolute bullet on the run. Yeah. Like, Jared, up, like yeah. running away at the left as a right-hander just like across his body and it's like in stride, long, like 40-yard catch, and they kick a game-winning field goal. Yeah, um, Ironically, Mason Crosby made it because he hasn't been anything but um, consistent this season. But um, since that since that pass, that throw, that win, they've been a below 500 team. And I think to, to get back to the McCarthy thing, I think he is going to benefit from – New faces, just new everything, kind of getting out of the Green Bay. Rodgers, mostly Rogers spotlight, and and I think to segue that into the Cleveland Browns, I think he'd be a perfect candidate to take over that job because of his relationship with um, with the front office there. They have ties to Green Bay together, and also a new. Young quarterback like he had Rodgers in Green Bay with Baker Mayfield, somebody that I think is is going to be legit, and I think it's a kind of a no brainer. If they would go another way, so be it. But that's my take.
0: So this is where I'm confused though. Is like you talk about how the style of offense he plays and it's just not working for the Packers and it's not working with such a great quarterback. Why why would that work with the Browns? Why would the Browns look at that and say that's what we want over in Cleveland? Why wouldn't you want? Um, apply, why wouldn't you want Josh McDaniels who's been in an incredible system working under Bill Belichick who runs an awesome offensive scheme why wouldn't you a younger guy obviously he had the whole thing with the Colts which is a shit show why wouldn't you want to bring a guy like that in especially for McDaniels on McDaniels side too there's no reason why he wouldn't want to come in to the Browns organization where there's basically no pressure to immediately succeed it just seems like a perfect fit for me. Whereas McCarthy, I just don't, I just don't see how that fits with like a young quarterback. I yeah, mean, do you, yeah, I, I, yeah What good. do you think? Do you disagree with that? I mean, maybe I sound stupid. I'm not 100 percent like affluent with um, uh, different style of offenses and stuff. That's definitely not my forte. But it just doesn't feel like a good fit.
1: I think um, a good counterpoint to to what I was saying about how it kind of fell out of favor. I think I think Andy Reid changed and was able to adapt and kind of put some wrinkles in and kind of go the more modern way of of how you can put some kind of trickish plays in but also do a a legit throwing style offense I think if Mike McCarthy is able to adapt and really and really change how how he he runs things he could be successful and then again I'm not very affluent on either this is just an article that I'm that I read that he kind of fell out of favor and this is why things kind of went went haywire but it's 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 two schools of thought. Like the Sean, McVay, Sean McVay, um Kyle Shanahan, Young, J- uh, Josh McDaniel kind of offensive coordinator to head coach thing could very easily work. I think it's going to slow down. I think it's going to going to happen where you're going to get a young guy in there and he's not going to have the locker room at all. And all of a sudden these like, men are just not going to respect this guy. And, and I think then once one of these happens, then people are going to go back to hiring a more respected person as a Mike McCarthy or whoever you want to say. Now, I might not know what I'm talking about either, but it, I guess in my opinion, I'd rather have a an experienced head coach with offensive experience as well and, and offensive, you know, knowledge. I guess I should say, and then bring in an offense coordinator who can really mold your offense. Now, is that what they they what they want to do? Is that what Mike McCarthy wants to do? I have no idea. If they bring in Josh McDaniel and he's successful. Then you know I can honestly eat my words, but I think the fun thing about this is we have no idea what they want to do and what they're going to do, so we can speculate and sound stupid all we want.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think it'll be exciting to see what they do because obviously they've taken some steps in the right direction too. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, so and then with being on the Browns, you want to talk about Baker? I know you want to talk about Baker for a little bit.
1: I just want to bring up the fact that he just kind of you know he he's he's this new school of of of. I was a kid because he's, he's not like a
0: kid, but he's he is though. He's dude. He's like, what is he? 22.
1: Yeah. So he, it's, he grew up in this age of, of social media and, and kind of, you know, everyone's, you know, showing off how, how good they are and how their own shit do, doesn't stink. And I just feel like, you know, it could just be how, how life and how sports is moving is everyone is kind of tubbing themselves on social media. But I just feel like he has a little bit of growing up to do and, and winning two games in the NFL is is let's put it this way it's a big deal like I haven't won any games in the NFL and win as a quarterback <laughs> in the NFL is a pretty legit deal but then he just goes into Houston and, and gets his doors beaten in, and then all of a sudden you know you're a little more quieter this week it just it just yeah, you right. kind of learn your lessons like you know what just sit down shut up you're quiet when you win you're quiet when you lose so that you don't look like an idiot when you go and get blown out not like you look like an idiot but I I was kind of, like, laughing. I'm like, I mean, like, you kind of have this coming. Like, don't come out – not like he was bragging about himself, but just, you know, shut your mouth and just – Yeah. There's a lot of quarterbacks that don't say anything. And he's he might be this new school quarterback where he's, you know – and he is. He's kind of flashy and kind of chariz- charismatic and shows, you know, what, he, what he's got. But then it'll, you you look bad when
0: you lose, I guess is what I'm saying. I So, it's funny. I, I completely agree with you. I think if you look at, like, obviously Tom Brady with the Patriots or you look at Drew Brees with the Saints – Um more of like the mature guys um i think that they how they handle the success and how they handle the how they handle the ups and downs is great and it's awesome for the organization it's great for them and then it's kind of you feel you kind of always feel in control i think with baker it's almost like a, it's it's so funny because you know brady to the patriots is like baker to the browns it's like you have this organization that's trying to turn things around going to be a lot of speed bumps and you have baker who's kind of the same He's like the same thing. He's like kind of hot, new on the scene, the same way the Browns are like kind of like, holy shit, we're here. Like we're knocking on your door. We're actually going to be a legit team. Baker's kind of knocking on the door. He's creating some hype. But at the same time, he's kind of shooting himself in the foot because then when they lose, you know, it's like everybody on social media is like, S. Baker didn't wake up feeling dangerous today. You know, like you do that to yourself. But but it's exciting because it's the Browns and they sucked last year and they sucked the year before. And all of a sudden you get this kid who's pretty electric that obviously it seems – Seems like everybody in that locker room respects. And it's a little something, you know, it's a reason to be excited about the Browns. Is four wins exciting? No. But is four wins with Baker Mayfield, who's the Heisman candidate, losing, you know, Hugh Jackson and then beefing with him, is that exciting? And does that bring more, a little bit of something to the Browns organization? Maybe it does. So um, obviously, yeah, he didn't look too good this week. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see how he bounces back from that. And if he, like a true pro, a guy that's you know a Hall of Fame quarterback has a game like that, and then he comes back and he has a great game. So, like, is Baker Mayfield going to prove that maybe he's that kind of guy for the future, or does it kind of spiral out of control with like how a lot of the Browns' quarterbacks have gone in the past? Again, another interesting thing. I think that he'll bounce back pretty well. Um, who are they playing this week? He's the- I just to kind
1: of just to kind of go this route. He's he's got a tough. Scheduled the rest of the way
0: to yeah. get to your number of over five wins. I'm just saying. Well, he has the Bengals again, and I think is that he wins that that they win that game. He does with the Bengals every other and game. That gets me to five, so I need one. I need one win out of those other three.
1: I know every other game is 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 losable. He's got the Panthers this week, who are
0: also playing. True terrible. Panthers, not,
1: yeah. So he's got Panthers. Then he's got at the Broncos. Then he's got Bengals. Then he's got at the Ravens. So, Broncos
0: just lost Emmanuel Sanders today. They did. So all I'm saying is is there's. I think that's a winnable game for them. There's work to be done. But all at of, Denver, that place is loud.
1: All of more winnable. That's, I'm not saying that, yeah. but I'm just saying we'll see how he bounced back when we'll go week by week. I, I I hate that he's a huge topic of discussion for our our hour and a half podcast, but you know, yep. I guess that's maybe what he's trying to do. So good for him.
0: Yeah, well, he's stirring the pot a little bit, so he's shaking things up. So we're gonna talk about him. You know? Yeah, yeah. So to to move across.
1: Um, platforms. Stand- Did you get that?
0: Did you get that? we are shaking things up. Yeah, there you go. Well, love it.
1: Um, Post game shake. Un, un, unscripted um, plug for our own podcast. Just um, to, to, to piggyback off of this sport, but move across um, from getting paid to not getting paid, aka college football. The mm-hmm. college football playoff was announced this past weekend, and um, obviously some things happened. A SEC championship game was, was squandered by the University of Georgia Bulldogs by doing a fake punt on your
0: on Dude, your own side of the field that? in the fourth yeah.
1: quarter and um
0: not even a good attempt, man. It was like the no, ugliest. It was like, okay, we're just gonna run it up the gut on it was, fourth and long. I yeah, just don't get it.
1: It was it was bad and it looked bad and I feel bad for those kids because they they gave Alabama a heck of a game. But um I more want to focus on the college football playoff and the fact that Every year we're going to hear about teams getting left out, whether it's the BCS and it's the top two teams or it's now it's the colorful playoff and those four teams. I um, I have a problem with the fact that a kid who goes to the University of Central Florida, and this is just one example because they are the current best non-Power 5 conference team, and I'm going to get on a bit of a soapbox here, so uh, bear with me. But they're, I'll they in. they're undefeated. Now, obviously they lost their starting quarterback, and if they were to play – a a big time program, they probably lose, but that's not the point. The point is you gotta give them a chance. And every kid that goes to a D1 school plays football should have a chance to win a national championship. If they don't lose a game in their four years, say a kid who goes to UCF goes undefeated four years in a row, he will probably never get a chance at a national championship game. And that's just wrong. If you if you go undefeated at any other sport, hockey, basketball, baseball lacrosse, you're going to be playing in the national tournament. And, you're, and if you win all those games, you're going to win the national championship game. But at UCF, you're not going to have a chance. Now, if they expanded the football playoff from four teams to eight teams, which is my idea, here's how it would work. This year, you get, you, every team that wins their conference gets in. So Alabama, Clemson, Washington, Oklahoma, Ohio State, all get in the playoffs. Now, they're seated not one through five, but however, they're seated from the college football playoff. Then you give the highest non-power conference team a bid. So UCF is in. And then you give the next two at-larges, Georgia and Notre Dame, a bid. So you'd have Alabama playing Washington, 1-8, Oklahoma playing Georgia, 4-5, Clemson playing UCF, 2-7, and Notre Dame playing Ohio State, 3-6. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, UCF's going to get absolutely roundhouse by Clemson. Now this year they probably will get roundhouse by Clemson. But if you look at the last four years of the non-power teams playing in the New York Six Bowls, they're 3-1. Now, they're not playing against a team who's you know, ranked number two in the country, but last year UCF ranked number 12, was 12-0, and beat the number seven Auburn team in the Peach Bowl. The year before that, Western Michigan was number 15 at 13-0. They lost the number eight Wisconsin by eight in the Cotton Bowl. And the years before that, Houston beat Florida State and Boise State beat Arizona, both two non-power conference teams playing two big-time schools, especially Florida State, who won the national championship a handful of years ago. I just think you gotta give these teams a chance to play and win and if they lose they lose, but at least you're giving them a chance. I mean they these kids are just whether they deserve it or not, you know, according to the panel or whatever is, I think is ridiculous because it's not like they couldn't use a, a couple of extra games to to bring in some more money. They're they're definitely, you know, a little money hungry because obviously these kids aren't getting paid and, and whatever. We're not gonna get into that, but I'm off my soapbox now. I just think you need to expand the playoff, you need to give teams a chance to win the national championship if you go and feed. And I think you need to put more bearing on teams winning their conference.
0: I'm done. Yeah, I think that's, I think you nailed it. I, uh, I don't think there's really any, I've never heard an argument for why an 18 team, eight, excuse me, eight team playoff would have any negative effects. I Obviously for the NCAA, you're bringing in more money for the schools. You're bringing in more money, especially for some smaller schools or the, you know, like a UCF, like that makes that, they're going to get a lot of money. It's going to be great for them. Um, and then you look at like the NFL playoffs. It's, it's three rounds or four rounds. Sorry. So it's, it's not like you're playing a ridiculous amount of playoff games. Um, There's so many people in the country that love college football. And a legitimate playoff format would be awesome. And especially even for somebody like me, I'm not like 100% in on college football. I'm way more intro- into it than I was even three years ago. Um, And then I think if there was an 18 playoff, all of a sudden, like I'm way more into it. I think the world's more into it. I think everybody's kind of everybody kind of hates the the old, you know, one, two plays in the national championship. And now even the one through four is kind of a little tired where. So personally, for me, watching that Alabama, Georgia game and um, you weren't there, we were talking about it at Dunn's Alabama ranked number one, Georgia ranked number four in Georgia at 11 and one. You're the number four team in the country, but you have to beat Alabama in order to make the top four seeds. Because if you lose, you drop out of that top four because you're going be, to be a two-loss team. You're not going to be in that, uh, in that playoff. And I, it's just so backwards to me that if you know, you're in that position, you shouldn't have to beat the number one seed to stay at the number four seed. Yeah. Whereas, you know what I mean? Like, and if, it's, so, it's so crazy to me. And there's just too much volatility, like, variability. You, you talk about, like, one through eight. And if you're the number nine team, you know what? Like, do you really have an argument? Not really. You didn't have a good enough season. You didn't. If you're the number five team, you might have – like, Georgia has a pretty good reason to complain. Like, so, like Ohio State – I'm, I'm in on Yeah, I'm in on
1: number it. six, they got blown up by Purdue. I get it. But they had one bad game. Georgia lost by 20 to LSU. I mean, people people have bad games and they lose. I mean, it it happens. Yeah. I I think yeah. You, if you're number nine, you probably have two or three losses, and you're probably like, okay, we could have like done a little
0: better. They'll, they'll you, still, you did they'll, it to yourself. You you did it to yourself.
1: They'll still complain. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I I just feel like there's there's a way to make it right, and there's definitely enough time. Like they take the entire month of December off you're you're telling me that like the NCAA would not want a couple of more like primetime games to kind of get the get the fan base going and everything there there's no way people would be opposed to it so i don't and i and i think we're moving moving in the right direction we used to just have two teams then we have four i think a perfect number would be 8 even if they went to 6 and had a couple of buys and every yeah. conference champion got in and and then maybe an at large or whatever I, I just think the more teams the better i think 8 is probably the highest number it'll ever be but
0: i mean uh, I think people. Yeah, I think more than that, it's too saturated, and I think less than that, it's it's not enough opportunity for teams that
1: deserve it. So that's uh, that's a soapbox. I think I think this this um, concludes the first segment. I think we are going to
0: um, kick it to. Toward... Well, I want to talk about. So first, um, just want to talk about. Me and Tim are getting some awesome post game shake hats. Um, it is long overdue. If anybody has, if you've played in the wiffle ball tournament, if you've seen the Cure for Cole wiffle ball hats that I have, same hats, they're called the Classics. They are the best. They fit awesome. Uh, we're probably going to be selling them for about $20. bucks. we are just trying to get our money back on it. We're just trying not to lose money. We want to get people some good hats, kind of rep the post-game shake uh, logo and, you know, have some fun with it. Uh, we're getting the the hats from – my guy over at Goodwin Graphics, Ron Goodwin, the best in the business. Uh, I was actually there for a couple hours today, trying to figure out uh, how exactly we're gonna we're gonna do the logo. With gonna have to do a few little adjustments. Um, but while I was in there, we were talking about some ways, um, you know, how we could improve our our podcast. And then we were talking about how, you know, him how he markets certain things. So he gave us the three awesome New England hats. They are like these uh, winter hats that. Uh, They go down over your ears. You'll, you'll know it. So I I posted it or I'm about to post a picture after we post this on the, and so by the time you guys are listening, it'll be posted on the post game shake Instagram account. So if you type in post game shake, post games, one word uh, you will get to our account, uh, throw us a follow if you want, if not, no big deal, but uh, check it out. There will be a picture of the hats. Now what we want you to do, we got three hats, one for me, one for Tim. Best part is this awesome new England hat. And uh, even though it's not a Patriots hat, Tim is going to look great in the red, white, and blue New England. Uh Um, And we want a third person to look great in that as well. So if you would like a chance to win this third hat, we want you to go to our Instagram page. We want you to find that most recent picture of the hats. You're going to tag two of your friends in it, and you're going to DM us on the post-game shake account or on me and Tim's personal account. Not a big deal. You're going to use the code McMorrow. That is McMorrow, M-C-M-O-R-R-O-W. Good friend of the program, uh, good friend of the podcast. Um, And we are planning to announce the winner uh, next Wednesday night. So uh, we just wanted to share some love. Ronnie was awesome about hooking us up with these hats. And uh, he wanted to do something for you guys too because he's a good friend of mine. Um, And then if you guys want to check him out on Facebook, uh, that's Goodwin Graphics. Um, he has an Instagram account as well that they, they're not really using too much, but we're going to be talking about that. And, uh, if you're ever on the South shore, if you ever need, you know, embroidery done on shirts, hats, sweatshirts, literally anything, that guy will put your logo on it or anything you want. Um, so talk to Ronnie, he's the man, uh, he's our guy. So if you guys are interested in that hat, I highly encourage you to go do that. Um, it's pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, good way for you guys to get involved with us and for us to give back a little bit. Uh, And then with that, we're going to move on and we are going to do our new segment called Fun Facts with Tim Hatz. And uh, we're bringing on a good buddy of ours, uh, Tim Hatz, who's going to talk about, you know, whatever he wants to talk about, some fun facts, maybe some betting tips. We're not sure what we're going to get from him today, uh, but we're looking forward to it and we hope you guys like it.
1: Um, As of this episode, it is called Fun Facts with Tim Hatz, and I know he wants to um, begin talking about the passing of one of our presidents, um, George H.W. Bush, and they had actually the ceremony for him um, today, and I know he kind of wants to um, kind of kick that off. And fun fact about Tim Hatz is that he actually loves United States president's I think this is a a fitting way for him to start this segment with us. So, uh, welcome to the podcast, Tim Hatz.
2: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Happy you're here. So, uh, we got any little fun facts going. Um, So, as we all know, unfortunately, George Bush Sr. passed away this last weekend at the ripe old age of 94. Um, If you guys get a chance to listen or watch his funeral today, it's actually pretty good.
0: Uh, The only thing that I saw was the highlight of, um, it was Donald Trump and Melania, is that her name, Melania? Yeah. Walking in the... Melania.
1: Melania. Melania,
0: sorry, yeah. Uh, Going to the, they had to sit next to the Obamas, and it's, which is like hilarious, because they're pretty, they kind of butt heads a lot, so, and it was it was Trump leaning over to shake Obama's hand, and then to shake Michelle Obama's hand, and it was the caption was when you see like all the, you know, when you're home for break and you see all like your friends from high school or people from high school, you didn't want to see. And I thought <laughs> it was just like spot on, but that was, uh, unfortunately that was all I got a chance to watch.
2: That's pretty funny. It, apparently they didn't shake the Trumps didn't shake hands with the Clintons.
0: Really? Yeah. It's, it's crazy how much like a, a turmoil there is. I, I I get it. Like there's the two parties, but, I don't know. It just seems like you just got to have a little respect for the guys that were there before you and guys that have come after you. Yeah, I know. I agree. Well, it was crazy
2: too, though. It was like, so I, I got a chance to listen in. I was listening during work. It was about the most exciting part of my work day, which does a lot, but <laughs> um, the speeches that were given were like pretty good. And you're thinking about it like, all right, all these politicians, ex-politicians are giving speeches and they're like really freaking good public speakers when they're not spewing like political bs to get you know
0: yeah absolutely yeah it's it's definitely like obviously at a funeral hopefully you're throwing away the uh political shit so
2: yeah which which they did and they were speaking from the heart about george bush and his life and their relationship with him and the impact he had on people and it was like wow these guys actually know how to talk and like could be intriguing to listen to. Yeah, yeah could
1: keyword there could be. Yeah. Could be.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Are you a big politics guy, Hats?
1: Uh
2: probably more so than the average person, but it depends. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I'm starting like- to get into it a little bit. Just because I'm not as much because I care about the politics, but because I'm interested in how crazy like both sides are willing to go to prove the other side wrong. It's like almost like a reality TV show and it's in itself, like especially if you follow along on Twitter. It's just yeah. like a, it's crazy. It's it's to me it's just entertaining. So it, it's kinda interesting in that sense.
2: More and more of a reality TV show and you have to look at it like you said, kinda cynically in
0: both sides, you know. Yeah. Can't take anything too seriously, which is sad in a way, but Yeah, it is. It really is. You'd think that we'd be uh improving on our ways, but it seems like we're going backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I know you had you told me the other day, Tim, you had a cool a cool fun fact about um the unfortunate passing of, of George Bush.
2: Right, right. Um, so he was 94 when he passed. He's the oldest president to ever live, which is kind of cool. But then I thought about it, and I was like, the last president to pass was Gerald Ford back in 2006, and he was the oldest president to ever live when he passed. And the guy that passed before him was Reagan in 04, and when Ronald Reagan died, he was the oldest president to pass back then. So you have three presidents in a row that died, and – they were. They all held the record of being the oldest president to live at the time of their death.
0: That is pretty crazy.
2: It's pretty crazy. And then you have Jimmy Carter, who's also 94 and about 100 days away from breaking George Bush's record. So we could get four in a row. Now, what's even crazier about that, though, is Jeez. the person who had that record before Ronald Reagan did was John Adams, who was the second president of the United States. That is wild. So you go – you know, thirty-eight presidents, almost two hundred years of John Adams just holding on to this record and now it's just getting crushed and crushed and crushed.
1: So yeah. I don't know if that says more about it's it's it says a lot about the longevity of how long people live. but how did John Adams live so long?
2: Yeah. That, that's <laughs> that, right? Like John Adams was born in like seventeen thirties. <laughs> he lived to like I think ninety or ninety one years old. Like That's incredible. That is that's crazy. Like, that's like
1: living till 110. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Right? He, he was born October 30th, 19, 17, 19, 1735 in Braintree, Mass. <laughs> he died July 4th, ironically, 1826 in Quincy, Mass. He, yeah, you know, he was 90. You
2: know, it's funny. Him and uh, Thomas Jefferson died on the exact same day. Whoa, that's nuts. Yeah, they ran. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was his vice president, and they ran against each other twice in two different presidential elections.
0: Wow, yeah, you would never see that these days. That's that's actually really wild. Imagine,
1: imagine Hillary Clinton being Donald Trump's running mate. Yeah, right. It's just so <laughs> weird. Well, it's crazy. Well, back then
2: they didn't have running mates. It was the winner got the presidency, and second place got the vice presidency. Uh, oh,
0: see, this is why we need you because I had no idea. Yeah. I probably learned that like ten years ago. I just don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh,
2: yeah, you would never have that with political parties nowadays because the Constitution originally didn't even. So consideration it, okay, so
0: I'm gonna ask you another dumb question. let me know if you if you know the answer. So you said John Adams died in Quincy.
2: It wouldn't surprise me. I mean he spent most of his life in Braintree Quincy and Yes,
0: the, yes, the, died in the, Quincy. Drove, so you got it, yeah. Um isn't Quincy isn't Quincy named after John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams, like his father, is that what it is? So John Quincy Adams is his son. Okay, wait. Now I'm all confused. So, John Adams died in Quincy.
1: Yes. John Adams...
0: Which was named born... after his son? John Adams
1: was born in Braintree, which is now Quincy. And then he died in also Quincy. I don't know if that that helps or confuse the,
0: the argument. I spaced out for like one second, and it just made it way worse. So, John
1: Adams was the second president of the United States. John yeah. Quincy Adams was the sixth president of the United States.
0: Yeah um when did they create this the city of quincy
1: so this isn't great for for podcasting but i'm just googling right now it was incorporated in 1792
2: which was after the birth of john quincy adams so i think i think
0: Quincy. they just was, named just, the city after him?
2: i think this the city was named after someone else and john quincy adams got his middle name quincy after that same guy
0: Oh, that would make way more sense. Yeah, mm. I think that
2: happened. Mm. Okay, so okay. we're going to
0: roll with that as the answer because I think you're right on that. I probably sound like such an idiot. Like if we have a big history buff listening to our podcast, they're like, wow, these guys are morons and I'm never listening again. Or yeah. specifically me. Don't worry about it. Okay. No. You learn something new every day. That's good. Yeah,
2: there you go. So point of the story is John Adams killed it for a long time. It's up there in the record books. Number one, oldest president ever to live. Yeah,
1: yeah, good for him. And I think it's just going to keep getting, getting. I mean, obviously Jimmy Carter's but to break it. Knock on wood. I don't want to jinx that, but I know want um, to jinx that one either. Um, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I know. Anyway, I mean, so after, after Jimmy Carter, we got Bill
2: Clinton. next on the list. <laughs>
1: is he the only? Is so, he the only other living? Is he the next oldest living president? Ah, uh, George. It's it's him
2: and George Bush are the year or two apart. Um, I don't know who's older. I want to say Bill Clinton is older, but they're close. Uh, Bill Clinton 72.
1: And uh, George Bush. Oh, not George. H.W. Bush. Coming I not George. I want George W. Bush. Uh, also 72. I'm not going to look at their birthdays. Damn it. Uh, July 6, 1946. And August nineteenth, nineteen forty-six. So George Bush is older. Yeah, so by a month. By a month. Yeah.
2: So I guess I guess George Bush is next on the list instead of Clinton.
1: Wow, that's interesting. But they got twenty years. Yeah, two years. Yeah, yeah twenty so. twenty-two
2: years. Knocking wood, it's a while, but very interesting.
1: All right, um, I mean, we could we could we could talk about this all day, but we, we want to move on. Um, I know. Actually I love happen- Timmy.
0: I love, I love when you go, this is, I think that's the second time that you've, you've done that in a podcast. You go, we could talk about this all day, but we got to move on. When, I mean- when, when it's so clearly coming to like the conversations coming to an end, like I have nothing else that I could possibly I don't know. bring to the table with this topic. All and are we are like, we could talk about this all day, but clearly we don't. And we can't. And we need to move on. I mean, all dead right. dead president seems like an entertaining topic. So. Oh, definitely. But I just mean personally. All
1: that right, guys. Is... I know we can talk about this all day. We got to move on here. So, um, the next topic. I know hats you wanted to discuss, and something happened today. Actually, oh, Patrick, Patrick Corbin signed a huge deal with with the Nationals. You wanted to kind of uh, just kind of discuss winter meetings, uh, the MLB, and some some maybe landing spots for for some high uh, coveted free agents. Yeah. So next week on Monday starts them will be winter meetings, which if
2: you're not a baseball fan, probably means nothing to you. If you are, it's probably the most exciting time of the off season. Um, so the winter meetings kick off in Vegas on Monday and pretty much what happens is all the GMs meet. there. There's a lot of big name agents there too. And it's just trades happen. Big trades happen. Big free agency signings happen. I mean, not, Always, and it's not like there's no more offseason after this, but it's the peak of the offseason for sure. So Patrick Corbin, who was on some people's list the the top free agent behind um, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, which is saying a lot because those two are clearly ahead of this class. Um, Signed with the Nationals. Some were saying that they now have the best starting rotation in all of Major League Baseball. And actually earlier today as well, Paul Goldschmidt got traded from the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks to the St. Louis Cardinals. I almost that, had the Arizona Cardinals there for a sec.
1: Yeah, that is that is another big one. I I, I forgot <laughs> about that one too. So to touch on on the Nationals pitching staff, uh, quickly, I think they definitely have the best, if not top three pitching pitching rotations. I think it's gonna we'll have to wait and see when the season starts who has who has what. But I think right now you can make a strong argument that they've got the best. Yeah, I mean, they have Strasburg,
2: they have Scherzer. I mean, Scherzer, I think you can make the case that he's the best pitcher in baseball.
1: You could, yeah.
2: Um, Patrick Corbin, if he... I mean, his lifetime stats aren't that great, but you see what he did last year and the year before. Like, if he pitches like he, he has the last
1: two years, I mean... They, they have never really had a three guy, too. So when Strasburg would go down, Scherzer's a horse. When Strasburg would go down, I don't know who they have next, like... Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, Gio play. was always kind of the next guy. So I think a big, big move for them. Um, How did the Nationals do this year? Were they a decent team? Under, were, underperformed.
2: Underperformed. Yeah. Just 80 to an 80, I think. Yeah, they pretty mediocre. They clipped the Phillies for second in the division. But they were supposed to win the division this year. So they didn't make the playoffs. Did
0: they? they, they I'm, I feel like this is so bad. They still have Mike Trout, right? No, no, no. Bryce Harper's who you're thinking. Wait, who's Mike Trout? Oh, he's the Angels. Yeah, oh my yeah dude, God. I, I'm Muzz. sorry. <laughs> dude, are you serious? <laughs> dude, I in my I was like in my head, I was like, who, who does Mike Trout play for? And I was like, oh, it is the Nationals. And then I was, yeah, sorry. I I I wish I could say I'm a bigger baseball fan, but I'm not. Clearly, but Bryce Harper, not Mike Trout. Got yeah, it. Yeah, Bryce
2: Harper is might get a half billion dollar contract, probably not, but something close to it this year. So.
0: so What do you think about him? I'm not really a big fan. I think he's kinda like um he reminds me he's kinda like a little bit too showy, but almost in like a weird way. I feel like he's not like a really easy guy to get along with I you know what
2: I agree with that, but you know what's like interesting? He's also Mormon.
0: Yeah, true. That is a weird uh cult or whatever you want to call it because I played in. Uh, we had a couple games in Utah this year, and it's like a Mormon area, and they like the times they like. We would go out to dinner after games, and there's no alcohol after like a certain time, and you're like, it's just a different vibe, and the people that are around there, it's it's just a different group of people. So, I I definitely see how he'd be a little different. Oh yeah, I don't know. I just
2: wouldn't. He's very showy and like. I feel like he's someone that would surround himself with alcohol and kind of was like a in-your-face type of character, like out there. Where that's, I don't know. I just didn't see. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see where he ends up. I mean, Cyril's.
1: Yeah. What do you think? What What do I think they're going to end up, or what do I think about him? Both. Um, I think he's he's kind of like showy. He's kind of showboaty as well. Um, a bit of a prima donna in the sense of how baseball players. Aren't really that prima donnish. I don't. I don't know. Um, I think he. I think he's very good. I think um, he'll end up in New York. Unfortunately, um, I don't know what the latest speculation is. I think they have maybe him in Atlanta or Philadelphia or New York. I think he'll end up playing for the so, Yankees, which sucks.
2: Yeah, I mean Atlanta and Philadelphia have also made huge moves this offseason. Which leads me to my next point, the Mariners, 89-win ball club. Yeah. Eight games out of first place, eight games out of the wild card, and they're selling everything. Um, what, do
1: th- what do you think about that?
2: Well, you know, I find it very interesting. It's kind of like an all-in strategy five, six years down the road, right? Like they have a, a good roster. A roster, I would say two-thirds of the MLB would love to have. Or they had one a month ago. And they just totally unloaded. For seemingly no reason at all. I mean, they won eighty nine games, like next year they could make the playoffs theoretically. I think they won high seventy, low eighty games the year before, so like they're they're on the upswing. Yeah. I think what they're thinking is Houston's in a division, Houston's not going anywhere anytime soon. If you wanna win a World Series, you're gonna need a team like Houston. So I think they're selling everything they have now to just bulk up on prospects five, six years down the road, go all in, which is not really something you see out of a team that wins almost 90 games um it's
0: an interesting strategy what do you think about it though because i i think so again i don't know a ton about this team but if you're the owner of the gm and you're like all right we want 89 games but maybe internally you believe that 89 is kind of like your max you're like we have a great team But we don't, we have a really good team, but we don't think we have a great team. So we can either keep having these like 85 to 91 seasons and like just barely miss the playoffs and kind of get by being good for a few more years, or you start to like rebuild from a a position of strength and and try to kind of catapult yourself up where you're in a better place in three years. Um, That's the only reason I could see for that mindset because I get what you're saying. 91 season. What are you doing, getting rid of your guys? I think
2: this is it's, it's a good that you asked that question because for any other team, I think you you kind of question it a lot. But I think for the Mariners, you especially question it. The Mariners have the longest playoff drought in any four major North American sports. Really? Yeah, they haven't been in the playoffs since they won 116 games, which is an MLB record in 2001.
0: Yikes, dude! Fifth. So that 17 years. years. Yeah. That's yeah. I think the, the bills, there. the
1: bills had it until they made the playoffs. Right.
2: The year, right. Bills had it. And then I think the Royals had it until 2014 or 15. It's anyway, the Mariners have not made the playoffs in 17 years. So it's like, it's not like you're not in a position to win a championship necessarily, but you're in a position to go on a playoff run this year. If you keep those guys. So it's like, what are you doing? Like, what do you want to make the playoffs and just be there for the first time in almost two decades? Yeah, right. Um, I think it'd be good for the organization. I don't know. I don't like it. Um, I don't like it because they, they've sold a lot of their great players to L teams. Um, and being a <laughs> fan of a team in the National League who probably doesn't really have the – can't afford to make big moves this offseason, it scares me a little bit. But I wouldn't do it. I mean, obviously, they've thought about this. It's it's pretty bold. And, I mean, you're pretty much putting yourself in the gutter for the next five years. Willingly, as opposed to most teams that sell big assets, especially in baseball, are
1: already in the gutter. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, yeah, I think they just like you guys kind of touched on. They they see that. I applaud them that they're not just going to go to make the playoffs. Like they want to win, and they realize that they're not going to do it with Robinson Cano. So, they kind of just yeah you know, sold him and and got what they could get in return. Maybe in advance of them having to sell him at the deadline next year or in in, in next season's off season. Um, winter meetings and not getting as much for him, um, so I think you know, Houston kind of broke the the bill on like you don't you can't just buy championships. They rebuilt their team and then they you know ended up getting Verlander, which was a huge deal at the deadline, and they ended up winning the World Series two years ago. So I think I applaud them for hopefully giving this a rebuild to go and seeing if they can you know build with from within. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, cool. I agree with you. Um, I think the last thing we want to touch on um, hats is um, Seattle getting an NHL franchise and what that might do to the divisional, um, you know, realignment of the the NHL. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on, on what you thought about that. So um, as
2: both, of you know, I'm not a, I wouldn't call myself a hockey guy, but I like to follow the NHL um, in terms of growing the sport. It makes sense that you would pick Seattle as opposed to another city. Like, let's just say Quebec City pops in front of my head. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's a good comparison.
2: I think there's more hockey. It's more of a hockey town. But if you want to grow the sport, you should go to a market that's big enough yet doesn't really have hockey. Um, Divisional realignment. So their plan currently is to move the Coyotes to the Central Division, which just makes
0: almost no sense
1: to me. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yeah. I, we were kind of talking about that same thing. So you're kinda of, you're really screwing those guys over. So give
1: me give me give me besides the obviously screwing them over, I think we all agree. Give me the you know the alternative, right? So the alternative I've I read
2: an article and the alternative that I like the most is moving um the NHL to like an NFL type format where you have eight divisions of four teams. Mm-hmm. Which Puts a way bigger emphasis on rivalry. I mean, you're gonna probably be playing these guys five to t- probably close to ten times a year. Maybe that's too much, but like eight or nine times a year playing the same team. I think now the max is like what five or six,
0: yeah, a team, which is
2: still a lot. But
0: yeah, I mean, it's and it's an 82 game season. That's a big portion of your season, right? Yeah. Um, so I think I think the the realignment
2: alternative that I liked the most was moving to uh, eight divisions
0: of four teams. Um, yeah. Even still. So I, I, I know what you're talking about, obviously. So the coyotes and I don't know if this is the same article, but it, it like, it shows the map of where the possible uh, divisions would be. And it shows the coyotes would be with Colorado, uh, Dallas and St. Louis. And of all the divisions, that's still such a spread out division where you look at like, you know, you look at the what it might be like the Northeast Division, it would be the Bruins, um, Devil's Islanders and Rangers, really close together. All four of those are closer together than any of the two in in that other four spread would be. Like if so but at that point, you're playing in the desert, you know, you kinda gotta accept that you're I don't know. You're not going to be nearby, but I, I agree with you. I actually think this is a really cool layout, and uh, if, if that's what you're getting at, do you do you like this idea? Oh, I love it.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean I being, being a Blackhawks fan, I think the option the it's either Chicago's gonna be in a division with Minnesota, the Blues, the Hawks, and either the the Wings or the Preds, and it's like. I would love to see the Hawks and the Wings back in the same division and like kind of reignite that rivalry. Yeah, but like either way, I am would love to see. Just like those are teams like you play them in the playoffs all the time. Regular season is always heated. Like there's just bad blood between them, and it's I don't know. It's great. Like yes, right now the Hawks are in division with the Stars, the Jets, and the Avs as well. I mean they're they're mm-hmm. in your division, but there's no real focus on rivalry. I feel.
1: Um. Yeah, I think that would be a really cool way to handle it. I think I think whatever they do, they seem to fix the current playoff format where the two teams that have the best records in the conference shouldn't be playing each other in the conference semifinals. And that happened last year when the Predators had to play the Jets. And those two teams should be meeting at – if they are going to meet, they should be meeting in the conference finals. They shouldn't be meeting in the conference semifinals to where – you know, yeah. then one of those teams is playing somebody else in the, in the conference finals. And as it turns out, Vegas ended up winning. But still, I mean, um, if I were the Preds, I'd be pissed that, you know, I had to play the Jets second round of the playoffs and they had the second most points in the conference.
2: You don't like the, the little division in the playoffs, you know? No,
1: no, I don't. I, I, think, there, I think there are rivalries in, in the regular season and when certain teams play each other, they play each other. But every playoff series ends up being a war at the end because <laughs> they play each other six times in like 12 days. So I don't care if it's Montreal or Boston or if it's Montreal or Florida. By the time the sixth game comes, they hate each other anyway. And when those playoff matchups end up becoming rivalries, then it is pretty good. And they end up becoming rivalries because the best teams end up making the playoffs every year. Like four or five years ago when the, the Kings and the Hawks were the two best teams in the West, they played each other in the Western Conference Finals like three, two or three times, and those series were unbelievable. But you would never pick those two teams to be rivalries. So I just feel like they kind of – there are rivalries, but they kind of end up morphing into other ones that you wouldn't, you know, end up seeing. Mm. So, that's um that's my that's my hot take on on the um, the angel realignment. I think I think what we also saw from the from the um, the article from the Atlantic. Uh, I'm gonna give them some props because um, I really like you know what they what they did with that article and and kind of you know putting it all out there. I think they had some time to think about this this whole thing, and I think they kind of acted on it a little too quickly. Whether they, they end up doing what they end up saying, you know, uh, in the end, I, I just feel like they could have maybe thought about it a little more. And, and maybe, maybe they have thought about it for a long time, and this is what they're going to go with anyway. But I, just, I feel like they kind of had some time to decide, and, and they maybe rushed it a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can get on board with that. But I also like having, the, uh, having it in advance and kind of seeing – what we're gonna be getting into in a couple of years. So I mean there's both sides of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um any other any other quick quick hot takes, um hats? Any any bets you're looking looking into placing this weekend?
2: Uh this weekend I am staying low on the bets wise. Um be wary of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the New Orleans Saints. Um Saints have already lost to the Bucks at the beginning of the year
0: in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Survivor pool yeah. Quick exit.
2: <laughs> hey, I mean that was, that so fun fact for you guys as well. Um the Saints have not won this year was the first year since twenty thirteen the Saints won either week one or week two. Wait, wow. what? The Saints had not won a game in week one or week two since two thousand thirteen before they beat the Browns in O T at home this year.
0: No way. Yep. They lost the they lost both week one and week two for the last four years. Yep. Jesus. Yeah. And considering how good they are every
2: year, that is wild. So, be the thing is like with the Saints, like they they never stop to surprise you. Like you just don't know what you're
0: going to get with them. Um, yeah, no you don't. And then they like the whole thing like after their bye week or something, they are I don't know. They're they yeah. are a weird team to bet on. But I I feel I feel pretty I mean, I would feel pretty confident betting on them this week. I just feel like they're you, like we talked about, me and Tim talked about uh, Baker earlier on in the show, and how like a good quarterback will will come back from a tough loss and have a great game. Yeah, and we're interested to see how Baker handles, you know, kind of getting blown out. I think Drew Brees will come back, and I think he'll be a stud this weekend. But I do see, I mean, you have some pretty valid points, so it's we'll see. I, I, yeah,
2: I think I, mean, I think and I hope Drew Brees will be a stud this weekend. I also think Baker could could beat Carolina easily. Not yeah. easily, but I could I could see it happening. Um I also see the Ravens beating
0: the Chiefs in Arrowhead. I don't Whoa. I think that is uh <laughs> it's I why though? I wanna c would love to hear why. Do you have a reason or are you just kinda gut feeling? I more so gut feeling. Okay.
2: Um I think the Chiefs they played the Raiders last week without Kareem. Like
0: True. No they you're right. They almost
2: lost to the Raiders. I mean, they're home right now against the Ravens, but the Ravens need this game way more than Kansas City does.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They kind of started winning against the, the Ravens have, so they have a fire lit under their, their belly. I don't know.
0: I think this one could sneak up on the Chiefs. Um, no, I you're, it. It is, you're, you're right. I mean, the Chiefs are pretty much – they're set up there, and the Ravens are clawing for a playoff berth. So I yeah it could be and they they have a pretty decent defense. I know people are talking about how you know Mahomes is on fire, and I know there's talk about the Ravens D and stuff, but the Ravens D is pretty legit. I mean, they're ranked number one in the NFL. so they're, yeah. not, they're not decent, but they
1: they are pretty. Yeah, what well, you know, what I mean? you can't hype up the Ravens too much. But. Yeah, I know. So considering <laughs> considering who you're talking to, um, <laughs> so I, I I love to I love to see how these how these kind of predictions and 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 um hot takes um playoff this weekend and um you know maybe next time we'll have we'll have a couple of bets for you people but um for the time being um this is this is the first of many of of fun facts with tim hats um i appreciate you you joining us for um for today's episode tim
0: yeah thanks thanks for having me guys great having you on we'll uh we'll be talking to you soon all right all right Cool.
1: Thank um, Tim Hass for joining us for that segment. Um, something that we're going to try to try to incorporate into into more of our episodes going forward. And um, after he finished recording, actually, he he then shot us a text saying, um, "Not just Ravens over Chiefs, but also Bears over Rams this upcoming weekend." So he's got a, he's got a couple upset picks. Um, I love I love the the confidence he has, in these I don't know if they're going to come to fruition or not.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> Ravens over Chiefs would be something and I would be actually really happy for you. So, um, true we, friend. Thank you. We are, we're just, we're pro Patriots and Ravens on this podcast. We are working together in unison. Um, the only team we differ on is the Browns, obviously. <laughs> uh, there's not much else to talk about. Is there anything you want to, uh, you want to touch on with the whole Seattle thing or with anything else? Um,
1: nothing, nothing really, really too, too pressing. Um, we end up kind of touching on touching on some things um, with with Tim, uh, like Seattle, that we were going to kind of touch on afterwards. Um, I just kind of wanted to I I, I I maybe touch on a couple couple of the NFL games um, that are coming up. I, I mean, do you have any do you have any upset picks here that you're feeling, or any of those ones you agree with,
0: or, or what are you thinking? Uh, well, hats mentioned um, hats mentioned the Browns. I. As pro-Browns as I am, I, I don't know if I see them beating the Panthers this week. Um, I would say that I do think it's going to be a close game. That's nothing crazy. Um, I think that the Jaguars are going to take it tomorrow night. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Um, I think the Titans are playing playing pretty well. I I honestly have all those division, NS, uh, ASC South division games are a toss-up except for uh, the Texans now. So i I feel like i I'd, I'd go Titans on that. I also agree. I think the Panthers Panthers win that game. the mm-hmm. the, the game that I'm obviously interested in besides the the Ravens Chiefs game is um, Colts Texans. Colts can can get out of out of the hole by putting themselves the the hole that they put themselves in by, by getting shut up by the Texans last week. If they go and beat and. Sorry, getting shot out by the Jaguars if they go and beat the Texans this week and get right back into into the AFC um, playoff race. So I'm I'm, in, I'm interested to see um, if the Texans are are going to continue to to kind of go on a roll and can make it ten straight, which is crazy that they've won nine straight games. And or if the Chief, or if the Colts, Jesus, I'm a mess right now. Or if the Colts <laughs> can get back their winning ways and see if they are as legit as people thought they were when they had won um, five in a row. So that's that's the game that I'm the most most interested in, um, in addition to, obviously, the
0: Ravens-Chiefs game. Yeah, cool. And I think um, I, th- I think with Emmanuel Sanders going down, that Broncos team just, like, really plummets. And Cortland Sutton's a pretty good wide receiver. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts to being in the number one role for them. Um, the 49ers are losing Matt Breida. I believe he's already been ruled out for the week. Uh, but I, for whatever reason, I've got a feeling 49ers at home, over the Broncos, not a, not a pretty pick, but that's what I'm going with. All
1: right, I love it. I'm also going to keep my eyes on on Eagles, Cowboys. Eagles can can even that division division race uh, with a win, or the Cowboys can essentially um, you know take it take it home. To, yeah, to the, I think home the Cowboys stretch. pull
0: away. That's my yeah. guess there. Yeah. So
1: um, that's that's all I got for um, for anything else. You have anything else?
0: What do you want the the Seattle team to name their their team? I want them to be the Totems. I hate the Totems. Alright, what do you want like, it to be? Like, the, the Emeralds be sick. The Seattle Emeralds? Way better than the Totems, dude. Like, the Totem, what are you, Totem Pole? I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, I don't know. What do you yeah. The so- Emeralds? Yeah, the Emeralds, it's kind of badass. Like, Emeralds is like a signal of strength and richness. <laughs> dude. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a word.
1: Alright, well, that's another thing we can we can wait and see, maybe... There are actually odds odds on what it's going to be. And ironically, um, I like the totems of before the odds came out, but I guess the totems were the odds on favorite to, to be the yeah, pib, did they?
0: So.
1: Why is that? Did they talk about that? I have no idea. I think – I don't know where they got those odds from, but I, I'd be curious to know. Yeah, me too. So I think they're like a minus minus one 105, and five, everything else is is a heavy heavy underdog. So wait and see, wait and see what they, what they pick. That'd be so much fun to to buy a franchise and then get to name it and create the colors. That'd be
0: so fun. It's like playing NHL when you create a team, but it's real freaking life. Yeah, it's some of the other ones like the Sea Lions. Come on, like if you're the Seattle Sea Lions, you shouldn't even. I, you got to go somewhere else with that. Seals brutal. These are some of the other ones that are listed. Yeah, the Cougars. Seattle Cougars, Seattle Eagles wouldn't. Seattle, eh, no. Seattle Eagles wouldn't be that bad, but it's not really a hockey thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what a rainier is. A get,
1: sockeye? What's that? I don't
0: even. Are these made up words?
1: No, sockeye is a. Um, that's an actual thing. Um, it's a uh, fish, I think. Yeah, it's a um, it's a it's a fish native to that that. Um, that like ocean pacific ocean and northeast or northwest sorry really seattle yeah.
0: sockeyes kind of cool kind of cool yeah i kind of like that
1: maybe that's my new pick yeah i like that one
0: too it's unique it, it it's alliterative Alliterative. that's my That's actually my uh that's my front runner now it's like that. my favorite i like that all right all right we'll see seattle sockeye seattle here we go cool all right um anything else you want to add that's all i
1: got i um um, that was a good episode, and I thought you know we, we brought up a lot of a lot of good points and a lot of discussion items that hopefully, um, will we'll, we'll kind of come to fruition over the next you know week or two. We can talk about it again. So
0: cool! All right, remember, head over to the Instagram page, uh, tag a couple friends, and DM us McMorrow for a chance to win one of these awesome hats. and I will be posting that on Instagram soon, courtesy of Goodwin Graphics, and uh, that will do it for the episode. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. See you. Good stuff. Peace.